Well, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're in Luke chapter 1 today. This is the third book in the New Testament, the latter half of the Bible. And I am thrilled to be kicking off a new study series with you uh, for the next 72 weeks. So God bless our time in the Word. Yes, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know how long the Lord will have us in this book, uh, but I suspect it won't be quite that long. Uh, probably more like 68 weeks. But uh, by way of introduction, let's read the first four verses of this gospel account of the life of Jesus. Luke says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, specifically he's talking about everything revolving around the life of Jesus, he says, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. It is from that last verse right there that we get the title for our entire study series, Rock Solid Truth. Luke kicks off this meticulously researched documentary letter with one objective, that you may know the exact truth. As you and I grow in our faith, we grow to also more fully appreciate the accuracy and the authority of Scripture. If it is not authoritative, then it's not dependable. And if it's not dependable, then our faith is on very thin ice. I want you to think big picture with me and recognize that every one of us will live out our lives based on how certain we are of the scriptures, how certain we are that they are true. People who doubt to some degree the veracity of the word of God live like it. On the other hand, people who confidently know the exact truth of the word of God live like it. It's the assurance of the exactness. It's the certainty of the accuracy that we are going to go after for the next few months, several months. We want the rock-solid truth of God's holy, timeless, and unchanging word. Now, over the course of our study, we're going to humbly explore this text. We're even going to test this gospel account. Never be afraid to test the word of God. Just be very careful not to do it in pride or doubt. Scripture records God's chastening hand on those who do because they're not living by faith. Matter of fact, we're going to look at one such example today here in this first chapter. But before we do, before we do to kick off this enormous study on a more personal note, may I ask, how certain are you of God's word? Awesome. How confident are you that it is actually going to hold you up when life really gets tough? To be more specific, if you believe it's true, how do you know it's true? By the grace of God, we're going to walk away from this place week after week, having received 
the rock-solid truth of Scripture, biblical truth that we confidently stand firmly upon. And we're going to need it because I know that I am not the only one in this room who senses that there are very troubled times ahead. Many church-going people are going to get knocked off their feet when the winds of evil and uncertainty grow more and more fierce in this country and in this state and in this county, in this world. But people who know the exact truth of what they've been taught in the word of God they will stand strong. Now we're going to come back to these first four verses and some more introductory thoughts on the book of Luke next Sunday. But today is Mother's Day. So I'd like to move directly into verses 5 through 25. Let's pray one more time and then we'll begin our Mother's Day study. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We humble ourselves before its awesomeness. Indeed, we humble ourselves before you, Lord, because this is your word. We need truth to live by and to stand by. Others around us need it desperately as well. So, Lord, help us to be a people who know the exact truth that your word teaches Again, that we might live by it and proclaim it to a very lost and hurting and dying world. Thank you for the hope you give. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance you give in your word. We know without a doubt that you are going to speak to us through your faithful scripture today. And we bless you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, beginning in verse 5, here is the first event recorded in Luke's documentary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. It's from those words that we get the title of today's specific study, A Righteous Mother. Now, I know that that picture isn't the one you usually see on Mother's Day. Flowers, green grass, sunshine, everything's nice. But is it not the reality that motherhood, motherhood is often more like that? Moms have to be strong, like a rock. They have to stand on the rock. And a truly strong mother is a righteous mother, a woman of God. We're going to look at eight tr lesson, uh, truth lessons for mothers, eight truth lessons for mothers and others. Yes, these truths apply to all of us. But our prayer today <clears throat> is that God will bless the mothers, especially with his word in this very tender account of Elizabeth and the miraculous conception of her and Zacharias' son, John the Baptist. So to get right to the point here, truth lesson number one for mothers, 
live righteously and blamelessly in God's sight. This comes straight out of verse 6, as you can see. Now, allow me to draw your attention to the latter part of this first phrase here, in God's sight. Moms, the world, your circle of friends, even your church, they are all going to naturally place upon you a measure of peer pressure to live out your mom life so that you can be approved by those around you. Now, in some ways, this is perfectly healthy. It challenges you to grow. It raises the mom bar for you. But in other ways, it can be incredibly suffocating. You know this better than I do. The expectation to be like the super mom next door. The expectation to do things a certain way. Now, I'm not going to go very far down this trail. You can read good books. You can go to conferences. You can be a part of the Mom Strong group that meets here every fourth Monday. But with the limited amount of time that we've got today, I just want to drive home one major point. It is God's approval of you that matters most. Every other approval, even the other positive peer pressure, should pale to virtually nothing compared to the approval of God. Moms, if you live for the smile and the affirmation the approval of God alone according to his word, you will be spared a great deal of anxiety and stress and unhealthy pressure. Again, you know this better than I do. It's not to say that you won't care what others think. You will care because God's word commands us to sharpen one another. We minister the wisdom of God to each other. We are a spiritual support team. We receive counsel and encouragement from each other. We even receive rebuke and reproof at times, hopefully in the spirit of love. But at the beginning and end of every day, and all of the minutes in between, it is God's sight that should matter most to you. Mothers, you set your sights on living righteously in the sight of God. That means you've got to be walking with him more and more every day. It means you've got to be in meaningful prayer and communion with him. You've got to be letting him speak to you in very real applicable ways, transforming your heart from the inside out from his word. Set your sights on living blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I hear people say things like that, my first response, my instinctive response is something like, that's not possible. Be realistic. Nobody's blameless. Nobody's perfect. Okay. But observe, the text says that these two people were doing it. That means that whatever scripture is communicating to us here, it is possible Again, mothers will never be perfect this side of heaven. But you can be living a righteous life. A life that is clearly pursuing the incomparable beauty of Christ-likeness. You can get to the point where your conscience is clear before God. 
You are not hiding any unconfessed sin. You are blameless before him and in sweet fellowship with him. You keep short accounts. When he convicts you, you repent, you respond with confession and obedience. And when you sin again, you respond with confession and obedience. You see, you don't become sinless in this life. You simply sin less. Are you with me? That's spiritual growth. It's not perfection. It's spiritual growth. God looked down upon this couple. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Luke's writings, God said they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. My church family, that is the bullseye that every one of us and we as a church must be aiming for. In the sight of God. That means that you and I walk through the doors of this church and we are a thousand times more aware that God is looking at us more than people. There is peace to be found in the fear of the Lord. The healthy, respectful fear of the Lord. You understand this. There is safety to be found there. There is freedom and there is joy in the fear of the Lord. Moms, this is our prayer for you today, that you will walk in the joy of living righteously and with a clear conscience in the sight of God and Jesus Christ, your Savior. Continue in verse 7. It says, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. So you see here that Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and now she was well past the age in which she could even get pregnant. Now this fact in verse 7 alone is just a tough reality. But coupled with verse 6, it's an amazing testimony of their faithfulness and trust in God. Are you connecting those two verses? Look in your Bibles. Verse 7 is a tough reality, but verse 6 they, says they lived a holy and faithful life anyway. Just a few verses later, we're going to see that this couple had been praying, undoubtedly for years, many years, that God would give them a child. But up until that point, God had not answered their prayer, at least not in the way they were hoping for. His answer was, not yet. Some here can understand the tremendous disappointment and sorrow that this couple carried from year to year and into their senior years. But in their disappointment and sorrow, verse 6 was their testimony. They lived righteously, blamelessly. Is it just me or does that speak volumes to us? Let's add to the end of point one. Live righteously and blamelessly in God's sight, no matter what. Point number one. May I compassionately ask a very personal question? What's your hardship that has become your excuse for not living faithfully and righteously before God? There is hope, my friend. You are not alone. 
Look at this couple. Look to their example and be inspired. And don't just look to this couple. Look around you. I know that there are many in this room right now who could testify that God has carried them through some very, very difficult hardships. And he has also simultaneously enabled them to stay faithful to him. He has been their rock in their storm. For some, it's that God in his wisdom and sovereign power has not allowed them to have children. But they love the Lord still. Perhaps your upbringing was painfully difficult. Perhaps your marriage didn't go as planned. Perhaps you have long-term health issues or your, or your finances have fallen apart out of your control. You fill in the blank. We probably all have major life disappointments that we may have to live with for the rest of our lives until God calls us home or until he changes our circumstance. The question is, how are we living with it? Can we say, by the grace of God, righteous and blameless in his holy sight? Mothers, our prayer for you today is that you will find the daily strength to trust God and be faithful through it all. You can do it because God can do it. Continuing in verse 8, it says, Now it happened that while he, that, that is Zacharias, was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division. According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Let me just interject here. If you've got a study Bible or some commentaries you can look into, jump online. Research what happened here when Zacharias was chosen to perform this part of the incense burning. This was an epic opportunity. This was an opportunity of a lifetime for any priest. Most priests would never get to do this in their entire lifetime. Any priest who had the opportunity was not allowed to do it a second time, to go into the most holy place and worship the Lord. Verse 10 says, and the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense burning. Lesson number two, moms keep serving the Lord. This is an incredible testimony here. Moms, you never know what God might do while you're serving him. If you've read this chapter before, then you know what's about to happen to Zacharias and Elizabeth. God is going to give them a son. Observe, it happened while Zacharias was faithfully serving the Lord. That's not to say that every time you and I serve God, he is magically going to give us something we've always been asking for. He's going to do something good for us. We don't preach a get-rich-quick prosperity guy, uh, gospel because the Bible does not teach that. To be very blunt, some people will die in their service for the Lord. Some have been and still will be martyred for their faith. Some lose their jobs, lose their families, lose their friends. But many will nevertheless testify that God still did good, many good things while they were serving him through it all. Moms, our prayer for you is that you will experience the blessing of God as you faithfully keep serving him. It's that simple. In spite of your hardships, serve him right where he has you, at home, at work, at play. 
in, these, in, this, in this building, outside this building, wherever he asks you to serve, serve and expect him to bless in his time and in his way. Look at verse 11. It says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Lesson number three, moms, do not be afraid. That is not the first time we've heard those four words in the scriptures recently, is it? How many times does God have to tell us, do not be afraid, before we'll realize we can actually just take him at his word? Moms, our prayer for you is that you will not live in fear. Fearless motherhood. Now, I can already hear most of you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Easy for you to say. You don't know what I wake up to each morning. You don't know what I go to sleep to. You have no idea the overwhelming challenges I am swimming in, through in life right now. Excuse me, drowning in. You're right, I don't know. But God does. And he is God. And he tells you and me over and over throughout his word, do not be afraid. But let's keep it real. The reality is there isn't even one totally fearless mother in this room. None of us have conquered all of our fears. No one is truly fearless, but we can fear less by the grace of God. Moms, again, our prayer is that God will continue to help you to conquer your fears as you look to him and his word for answers and strength and hope and mission. But again, let's be honest and recognize that we can walk around here all day telling each other don't be afraid. But that won't carry an ounce of benefit or impact until we have a reason not to fear. This is why we study the scriptures. The angel gives a reason in the next phrase. For your petition has been heard. Lesson number four, moms, know that God hears your prayers. God does not have the problem your husbands have. When you speak to God, he's actually listening. He hears what you are saying. He understands you. That's not funny. <laughs> we guys are trying. We really are. Sometimes it's, it's just a lot to digest. But God hears faster and better than we do. Be encouraged in that. Listen to 1 Peter 3, verse 12. It says, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You can see as well as I do that there is a catch in the verse. God only hears the prayers of the righteous. If you are a woman of God, walking with God, striving to live righteously and blamelessly before him, then know that he hears your prayers. 
Moms, you need to be women of prayer. That doesn't mean just pray. It means be a woman of prayer. That means prayer is one of your chief identifying marks. As the Monday Night Men's Group would say, it's one of your core disciplines. Because the deeper you pray, the more your fears are washed away. Because you realize that God hears your prayers. And he answers. Our prayer for you today is that you will know that God is listening when you cry out to him. When you sing praises to him. When you enter into daily conversation with him, he is listening and he answers. Look at verse 13. It continues with the angel saying, And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Lesson number five. Mothers, keep rejoicing in the children God has given you. May you take sweet time today in the busyness of life and motherhood to deeply rejoice in the children God has given you. Give him thanksgiving again and again. Now, I don't know where motherhood finds you. Perhaps your kids are all grown. Perhaps you're holding your first infant. Perhaps some of your children are struggling while others are thriving. Just pause to thank God for them. Thank God that you can trust him with your children. Thank God for the joy and the gladness that he has poured down upon you over the years. And pray for your children. That's the next point we find in the text. Look at verse 15. It says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him, speaking of Christ, the Messiah. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Can you imagine being a parent, seeing an angel and hearing those words about the baby that's about to be in you? What an incredible conversation. But here's the lesson that we pull out of this. Number six, keep praying for your kids. Very quickly, here is a fourfold prayer for your children that you can draw from these verses. A, pray that they would be great in God's sight. The verse says, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. We've talked about this already. Moms, it doesn't matter if you and I and everybody else think our kid is great. They have to be great in God's sight. Is that one of our metrics for parenthood? That's that's why we have to pray. Secondly, We pray that they will be disciplined and set apart, that is, sanctified for God's service. The verse says that this boy would totally abstain from alcohol. 
Now, interestingly, God did not call all believers to do that, did he? No. But he did their son, John. I don't know what God may call our children to be highly disciplined in and set apart from so that they can be more effective for his service, but we should pray that they would say, yes, Lord. That they would not allow anything of this world, even the acceptable and good things, to hold them back from whatever God is calling them to do. Third, we pray that our children would be filled with the Holy Spirit at an early age. I was just chatting with one of the dads here on Thursday night, playing hoops in the, uh, in the gym there. He was saying how much he loves to pray with his little kids at night. And, how much, and, and that the main thing that he prays for is that they would love and follow Jesus. Many of you have prayed and pray the same over your own. Moms, above every noble petition you could ask of God, let that be one of your chief prayers for your children. They, that they would know God and love him and surrender to him, that they would be saved. But particularly, as we see in the text here, that the hand of God would rest upon them at an early age for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. What a prayer. Fourth, pray that your children will point many others to Christ. We could spend a long time on verses 16 and 17. But the idea here is that they will point others to Christ. Worship, worship is the act of turning our eyes and our hearts to Christ. In love, in admiration, in obedience, in trust. Are you and I praying that our children will not only do that themselves, but they will point others to Christ as well? There's a big difference. Are we teaching them that they have a responsibility to do that? Are we training them to do that? Moms, today our prayer is that God will bless your children in these four ways. Look at verse 18. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Lesson number seven, moms. Don't doubt God. I can't say it any more clearly than that. Careful when you ask God to prove himself to you. You may not like the proof. Zacharias must have asked himself a thousand times, why did I have to ask for proof? <laughs> Elizabeth, you can only hear it. You were talking to an angel. What did you mean? Give me more proof. <laughs> it's important to discern here, though. It is not wrong to question God. It's wrong to doubt him. 
Zacharias questioned because he doubted. That was his mistake. You and I can question God because we trust him. That may sound something like this. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Lord, what are you trying to accomplish in me and through me in this hardship that you've allowed? Lord, how would you like me to respond to the hurt I am experiencing from someone right now? You see, it's not the question, it's the heart behind the question. Some question in doubt, some question in faith. Moms, our prayer is that you will not doubt God. There's an old hymn that goes like this. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word, just to rest on his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him, or and or. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to what? Trust him more. Verse 21, it says, The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. This next lesson is a very personal one, and we really have to meditate in the text to find this. Lesson number eight, moms, you must see life from God's perspective. It's your perspective that will confuse you and stress you and bring pressures upon you that were never meant to be born. As a pastor, it's my perspective that will confuse my spiritual life and misguide me and disappoint me because in and of ourselves, we are incapable of seeing, let alone understanding, and absorbing and living divine truth. Elizabeth really wanted to be a mother, and she felt disgraced by not having children. Now, it would be easy for us to ju just skim past this verse, it's particularly this phrase, because it's, it's kind of a tough phrase to understand. But we can't afford <clears throat> to avoid the hard verses in Scripture. So in regards to accurate biblical interpretation and therefore application, does this verse teach that it is a disgrace to a woman to not be able to bear children? I'm just being honest with you in the text. That's the hard question that came to my mind that comes to my mind when I first read verses like this. There are people who teach it is a disgrace, and they use the Bible as their basis. 
Is that right interpretation? Or is it possible that this verse simply reveals to us in a historical narrative sense exactly how Elizabeth felt? Like she was a disgrace among men. I would confidently propose the latter interpretation. As a biblical counselor, my heart hurts for Elizabeth in the text because this is how she feels. It appears that she had a case of mistaken identity, needless shame. I say that because we know from the whole of Scripture that if God calls a woman not to bear children, and there are many other applications. I mean, just think about this. If God calls a person not to get married, not to be financially successful, not to have great health, you, I mean, you fill in the blank. If that is what God calls a person to, that is not a disgrace. It is God's perfect and purposeful plan for their life. We may at times very sincerely feel disgraced over whatever the matter. And others may even wrongfully place that upon us, but that doesn't mean it's true. We've got to see our disappointments and all of life from God's perspective. It's why we must be in the word again and again and again for ourselves. Time does not permit us to dive far into this topic right here, and I don't believe that it's the main point of this text either, but it is a very real issue for many couples, and there are many other very real issues surrounding so many other circumstances, and I would not want us to misunderstand this historical narrative text. God calls some to motherhood and others he does not. We can trust him. We can know that he is good. We can know that he makes no mistakes. We can know that he is able. We can trust him and not be afraid. Yes, Elizabeth carried a heaviness of heart for most of her life. And God sovereignly and miraculously chose to remove it from her in her senior years. He took that burden away. She was right to thank him for his kind favor upon her. Mothers, count your blessings. I trust that you have been encouraged and instructed by the word of God today. I trust we all have, but mothers especially, be encouraged as you strive to live righteously and blamelessly in the sight of God. Keep growing in your walk with him. Keep serving him. Do not be afraid. Know that God hears your prayers. Rejoice in the children he's given you and keep praying for them. Don't doubt God. Instead, see life from his perspective. In these things, you will find more and more the Lord's joys of motherhood. Moms, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the author of life. It was you who breathed life and made man a living soul. And in your wonderful sovereign design and plan, you allow mothers to nurture that little one in their womb, bring them into this world, and by the grace and truth of God, raise them in his nurture and admonition. Lord, today we pray that your blessing will be upon all of the mothers in this room as they continue to strive, not in perfection, but in faith to live righteously and blamelessly before you. Lord, we pray that you would bless them with the mission that you have given them to teach truth to their children. We pray that you would encourage and strengthen them. Lord, would you help them to see life, particularly their fears, from your perspective. Your word is so freeing, so empowering, so guiding like nothing else in this world. That's why we sit here and worship you today. It's why we give you thanks for our mothers. Whatever our past, you are God, and you have a purpose. You are the God who heals. You are the God who lifts the weary arms and pull us forward. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our entire church family to increase our burden for passing the truth to the next generation. Lord, may we do that not in word only, but also in deed. Lord, indeed, Jesus Christ was and is our faithful example. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. Thank you for our mothers and the mothers in this room. May you have your hand upon them and their children in a special way as we go forward this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.